So um, this is a well-known Bible story. Uh, Peter and John, I'll take this out of the way, I think. It'll just save me tripping over it. Um, so they go through the temple courts, they go through the court of the Gentiles, they get to the gate beautiful, which leads to the court of women, not because it was women only, that obviously would be the inspired women's court, uh, but it's not that one. Um, it's just before the main temple courtyard and then into the Holies of Holies. Uh, and as you can imagine, because of the passing traffic, uh, some friends or family have taken someone who's lame and they've put them at him at the gate where he can beg. And, and, you know, let's not rule out, you know, the manipulation. People are going possibly up to the temple because they feel a bit penitent. So it's a good place to play on the guilt and get the cash. And do you know what I mean? It's, it's strategic. Um, we also know that as Peter and John come past, it, his, his head's down. He's not making eye contact. And this, again, likely because uh, of that uh, Jewish myth which is that there's an association between sin and illness and disability. This, the, the myth, if you remember in John chapter 9, verse 3, that Jesus absolutely explodes and says there is no connection here between this person's blindness and their sin. There is no connection. And so we just need to remember that that wasn't the belief at the time. So when Peter says to the man, look at me, he's expecting something a bit special. But I don't think he's quite expecting what he gets. But he doesn't get the money that he wants. He gets the miraculous healing. And he jumps up and he's leaping about all over the place. Very much like the, there's, a, there's a prophecy in Isaiah 35 which very much talks about this, which says, you know, really, then the lame will leap like a deer and the mute will shout for joy and water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. So if you want a chapter full of promises of God's goodness and bounty, read the whole of Isaiah 35. It's, it's really well worth reading. But anyway, Peter and John, they actually don't then make it through the gate. They get hounded back to the back wall where there's now a colonnade called Solomon's Colonnade, and they are asked, what's all this about? So, they give this great testimony about why are you surprised? Why are you surprised? Not us. Why are you surprised? Which is all really quite interesting. Now, I know it's obvious themes are to talk about um, healing and miracles, but I don't actually want to talk about that today. I want to talk about something else. I want to look at the characters and talk about their behavior and what we can possibly learn from this behavior. So number one is this, that the man who's lame doesn't get what he asks for. He gets something else. He asks for money and he doesn't get that. He recognizes that God gives him something better. But he did have the option. Take the money, receive the blessing. He had an option. He didn't necessarily have to receive that. And I know it sounds bizarre, but you know, potentially, Peter could have said, well, look, why don't you rise up and walk in the name of Jesus? 
And he kind of said, no thanks, but just, you know, a couple of quid will be fine. Thank you. I'll take the money. I'll take the money rather than the blessing. And it sounds mad. But there you go. He might have been disappointed about being able to walk. There he was on his feet and going, well, what am I supposed to do now? I've spent all my years begging. It's an important skill set. I've learned it. Not going to be much good now. I have no other skills. Haven't worked for a living. Everybody's suddenly going to expect me to pay my own way, and I don't know how. Thanks for nothing. Could have done. We think it's incredible, but you would be amazed. You would be amazed that people don't necessarily want. I can tell you about a man that I, and I, I, I've got to be honest, say, I don't have any real point to make with this because I don't understand it myself. But I knew a man, he's now dead, but I knew a man, and when he was in his late 20s, he was very ill with cancer, with secondaries, not likely to survive. And this is his testimony, not mine, but he says at a point where it was almost certain that he was in the last weeks of life, God healed him. And he resented God for the rest of his life. He never had a good thing to say about God after that. He not only said pretty appalling things at times and was slighting and insulting towards anybody else, but he also, his family were Christians, he tried to turn them to. You think that makes absolutely no sense, don't you? You think, how could that be? But can I just tell you that it is in our human nature that we get fixated on what we want. And when we get offered something that we haven't decided we wanted, even when it's better, often we don't see that and we just resent what it is that we've been given because it isn't what we want. I know that sounds strange. Think about Paul. Now, Paul had a different attitude because Paul had a thorn. We don't know what the thorn is. Something in Paul's life the Apostle Paul really tormented him. And I mean, it gave him real misery and grief. There's lots of theories about what it might have been from, um, you know, his, his uh, family troubles to uh, a possible physical illness to uh, perhaps a side of his nature that he struggled with. But he had this relationship with God where he said, take this thorn away, take it away, Lord, please take it away. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, potentially, I don't know about you, but there's a temptation there for Paul to go, oh, grace, thanks for nothing. It isn't what I asked for. It's not what I wanted. But Paul wasn't like that. In fact, you will see from Paul's letters that he just goes on and on and on about grace. And as he gets older, he becomes more intense with it. In fact, he receives what God gives him, which isn't what he asked for. It isn't what he wanted. And it becomes one of the defining things in his life. It's fantastic. He, he doesn't get what he asks for, but he receives what he's given. Second thing about this is that the man who received it received it with joy. He received it with joy. He was very happy. And I'm going to suggest to you three things about receiving from God. Three things. Yeah, sorry. 
have had hand trouble. Three things. First, you have to receive in faith. You have to receive in faith. If you have fixated in your head that this is what I want and every other alternative is frankly second best and a disappointment, then it's going to be very difficult for God to give you the good things that He has because you've already decided that what you want is something else entirely. I don't know about you, I have been known to do this, where I've got my face set for something and I kind of turn my nose up at every alternative. Do you, do you get like that? Do you? I'm sure you don't, just me. But the second thing is that then you've got to cooperate and be obedient. So when Peter holds the man's hands and says, stand up, He's got to stand up. It's no good if he says, fine on the floor, mate, thanks. And uh, about that money, <laughs> any chance now? Uh, you've had your fun. Thank you. You've got to obey, which, and I know you're going to say, well, the obedience requires just as much faith. Yes, that's right. Faith first, then obedience. But you still have to have obedience. Lots of running around going, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, and doing nothing about it doesn't mean that the gift becomes yours. What's it James says? Faith without action is dead. We believe, but then we have to do. We receive, but then we have to step out. And then the last one is this, that we are having so we have received in faith, we've responded with obedience, and then we have to rejoice and give glory to God. That's a scary one, isn't it? This is what Paul says in Corinthians. I always thank God for you because of His grace. Oh, there's that word. Must be having an impact on Paul. Because of His grace given to you in Christ Jesus, for in Him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus to be revealed. Enriched in every way. I've got to confess, I have had my moments when I my definition of myself has not been enriched in every way. I have not felt enriched in every way. I have felt, frankly, dissatisfied in quite a lot of ways. In fact, without much preparation, I could produce a lengthy list of ways in which I no longer feel enriched. I, I believe were there a degree in dissatisfaction, I could probably skip year one and two before I had to start studying. I am very good at it. I can look at it and go, well, that's not right, and that's not right, and that's not right, and that's not right. But that isn't actually the reality for us. We have received everything in Jesus. Do you believe that? It's a hard one, but it's true. We have received. Now, this, of course, only works if what we're hungering for is spiritual. It's a really irritating thing. I know it's irritating. And it's one of those, do you know how this is? Do you know how, right, some things that are true, they just don't help. 
Have you, have you had, had that? You know, some things are true. And just, it's in your head. And, and you've already sort of shared something that's really disturbing you. And you know the spiritual truth. And you can see it forming behind the other person's eyes. You can see it working its way down towards their mouth. And you're thinking, if you say that, if you say that, you, I know, I know, it's not helping. Do, do, do you get, do, just me, just me does that? Yeah, I thought that. You're so patient with everybody. I, I, it's just impressive. But there is the truth, is the truth is that God seeks to bless us with every spiritual blessing. And He gives us physical blessing because it is intended to bear spiritual fruit. And if it's not going to bear spiritual fruit, then He's going to give us something else. I know that's true. I confess, in my humanity and weakness, I've been disappointed at this formula before now. I don't know about you. But there's the challenge, is both the faith and the obedience and the rejoicing. It's a big challenge, isn't it? Being mature in that way. So, I have grandchildren. Okay, my grandchildren are quite little, and they want things that other kids have. They want them because the other kid has it. My, my children used to be teenagers. They used to want things that other kids had. They wanted the things that other kids had so that they could be the same as the other kids. I know a lot of adults. They want what everyone else has. They want it because they think everyone else is doing better than them. And if they have what everyone else has, somehow they will have the happy, fulfilled life that they see everyone else having. What, of course, they don't realize is that everybody's pretending because they think they're the only one. It's a bit like the emperor's new clothes. Do you know the story of the emperor's new clothes? Where these people just sew imaginary clothes on the king and everybody's afraid to admit that they can't see the clothes because you can only see the clothes apparently if you're really clever. So the king walks around naked and nobody says anything until eventually one little boy goes, he's got no clothes on. Certainly. Well, it works like this. Hang on. You're racing around, you're after this, you're after that, you're after this, you're after that, you've got this, you've got that. And you're not happy. Can't admit, I'm not happy. Can't admit, I'm not happy. Put in three quarters of my life here investing and I still lose sleep if somebody looks at me funny. Do you know what I mean? My, my kids will phone up with some momentary thing. That, that's my day ruined. I, I know it's only me. I know that never happens to any of you at all. Do you know what I mean? You have everything you need. Your stomach's a fool. Your life's a fool. You've got a list of friends and family endlessly. It takes one email and they're all gone. They've all become a shadow. Do you know what I'm saying? It's a myth, ladies and gentlemen. It's a myth. But nobody lets on. So we all pretend. 
It's a myth. So sometimes when the truth is that God gives us spiritual things for our spiritual good because spiritually that's what we are. We are spiritual beings living in a spiritual realm, and that's what we should hunger for. I've got to be honest with you because I am a flawed human being. Frankly, sometimes I find myself being disappointed in that answer and having not nice thoughts about anybody who's going to throw it at me. Does that ever happen to you? I'm sure it doesn't. Just me. So there you go. Now, when children don't get what they want, they throw tantrums. Have you noticed that? When teenagers don't get what they want, they sulk, and they sometimes say hurtful things. When adults don't get what they want, I've found that they do both. (laughs) Why? Because they've spent their whole growing up years learning how to do that. They have a good, full, wide, and broad skill set when it comes to reacting badly, not getting your own way. They're very good at it. I don't know about you. Have you worked on that? But Jesus called us to hunger and thirst after righteousness. We want righteousness, not what we want. I want to give you a couple of illustrations. So here's one. So God gives us good things. Remember we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. God gives us good things. So this young man, he goes to his parents and he says, I want you to buy me a car. Oh, really? said his parents, who coincidentally happened to be Scottish because that's the accent I have. Um, and uh, right, why would we buy your car? Well, I would like this car because me and my mates want to go to the supermarket after closing time and race really fast round the car park, burning rubber and causing trouble for the neighbours. I, I think on occasions I might well want to use it to go out on the open road and race very dangerously with my friends through pedestrians. I have, I have a plan, and I've talked to a couple of my mates about it, so I really need a car, where we will all gather together in our car, we'll go around the back of the industrial estate, and we'll sit there in the middle of the night smoking cannabis. I thought we would use it for that. And there's always a possibility that I might run out of control, run it into a tree, and you'll have to pick up all the pieces. So can I have a car, please? Which parent is going to give there? Which parent is going to agree to that? But it's an interesting illustration, isn't it? It's, this is what I want. It's a bit like, you know, the kid who goes, I want a remote control car. And the, and the, the grandparent, because they're wise, say, well, here's a book. Don't want a stupid book. I want a car. But this will only keep you occupied for five minutes. This, because we're grandparents, we say these kind of things. This is a treasury for life. (laughs) Grandparent, you see. It's not what I want. It's not what I want. I want this. I want this, and I'll probably abuse it and then forget it. But I don't want that. That's how it goes. Let's work this out. Let's think of a Christian version of this. So, okay, here's the deal, God. Um, I really want this. Uh, Can you give it to me? Yeah, what what will you do with it? Uh, Well, it'll make me happy. I'm glad. Are you going to use it to um, serve anybody? No, no, I've got got no plans to do that. Uh, Are you going to... um, you know, perhaps um, use it to bless your neighbors or... No, no, that's just me. 
So what about, um, are you going to, if I give you this, are you going to tell people that I gave you it? Don't be silly, that's embarrassing. I'm not going to do that. Why would God bless for no purpose? And the answer is, I am amazed, but sometimes he does. Because he gives us beyond what we want, what we ask. But in the end, because he's a generous God, does it do us any good? Only if we receive in faith. Only if we respond in obedience. Only if we rejoice and give glory to God. God is a generous God. It's fantastic. We need that maturity. James says this, says you don't receive what you ask for. Now, I know everybody knows the first half of this verse. So you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. And the second half of the verse says this, that you may spend what you get on your own pleasure. So I give you a gift for one thing, use it for another. I'm amazed that God keeps doing this. He's a remarkably patient. But there comes a time at which we have to respond in faith. There's a time in which we have to be obedient about what it is that God's given us. And there's a time at which we have to start giving Him glory through what He's given to us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a challenge, isn't it? More than that, though, mature people... I'm making no claims here, by the way, but mature Christians crave the things that God will, can give them that will make them able to bless others, will make them able to give glory to God, which will make them able to serve their neighbor. They become mature enough to seek spiritual gifts, to seek that rather than just comfort so I like comfort. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking comfort. I like comfort. I sometimes like it too much, but I do like it. And God is good. He gives us good gifts. It's fantastic. We shouldn't stop asking for things that will make our lives better or easier or enriched. But we should seriously think about why we're asking for things and what we're going to do with them. Is that not fair? Seems fair to me. Good parents want their children to grow up in that way. So anyway, let's look at the other side. So here's, here's the, the, the disciples, Peter and John. And they go, I love the David Pawson story of this, where Peter and John went up to the temple, and, and they, they, you know, they'd had Pentecost, and this was kind of their first proper outing. So they go out, and there's a sick man. And uh, Peter says to John, there's a sick man there. Yeah, miracle. John goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You first. <laughs> you can kind of just see it, can't you? And Peter goes, well, all right then. So well done, Peter, for doing it. But there's both sides. You see, Peter then has this opportunity. We know that in Acts there are other instances of Peter healing people. He receives this gift. So he receives it in faith. But then he's got to obey isn't he? I mean, it's, it, it's that thing where eventually you've got to take a risk. So you can go around all your family and friends and all the people you know definitely like you, 
But eventually, you've got to, I remember a good few years ago, I said this about evangelism. Evangelism is a bit like uh, being, working for Avon or selling life insurance. That initially, you might be able to cover your initial costs by selling products to all your family and friends and people at work and everybody that you know. But eventually, if it's going to become a career, you're going to have to get out there and start selling it to people that you don't know some of whom might not want the product. Well, it's exactly the same here. At some point, Peter has to get out there and do it. And I'm I'm not saying that he wasn't scared, because I think he probably was. Uh, He was a very honest man. But he obeyed. He took a risk. And guess what? And then, when the people said what was happening, he gave glory to God. He was ready with an answer. In fact, it was Peter, wasn't it, who said, always be ready to give an answer when people ask you about the hope within you. Fantastic. So he received in faith, then he responded with obedience, and then he rejoiced and praised God. So here's the question. What do you crave? What do you want? What do you like? What are you after? Why you want it? What are you going to do with it? What has God got for you? What has God got for you? Do you believe it's good? Have you made an alternative list that God might give you that you would prefer? Does it include makeup products? Not mine doesn't, by the way. Um, but just there. You know, what is, what is on your life? It, do you believe that God has good things to you? Can I ask you a question? I don't know that churches ask this often enough, but it's the truth, right? Have, are you angry with God because He hasn't given you what you asked for? Can I just tell you this, right? I know we've been over this before, but right, God... Us. If you want to throw a temper tantrum because God hasn't given you what you wanted, He can handle it. He's fine. And He would sooner have that honesty than a 40-year sulk. Do you know what I'm saying? Tell Him, look God, you let me down. I wanted this. It really mattered. You didn't give it. I don't understand it, and I'm angry. That's fine. I would sooner, if that's been welling up in you for years, I would sooner you did that today and get it over with and see what God can do because He can handle it. And does He give us everything that we want? No. Do we understand why He doesn't? No. Does it seem harsh and hard and unfair at times? Yes. Is it harsh and unfair? No. But we have to believe that for God. But if we think it is, He can handle us telling Him. Better to have an honest relationship than a dishonest relationship, isn't it? So tell Him. Try to be, you know, reasonably polite, just in my view, because we should be reverent. But He's not afraid of the truth. Do you think he doesn't already know that we're cross? Of course he does. 
tell them. Get that business out the way and let's move on. Get that. Okay, God can do that, right? Do you crave God's righteousness? Do you crave something else? Have you got a list? Do you want what God has told you? Do you know what God has for you? Have you asked Him? Will you receive it? Do you look at what everyone else has? Is it hard to get your eyes off everybody else and see what God has? Do you believe the myth of the trouble-free life? Do you believe that? Now, I'm guessing here, but I'm guessing that you don't believe it for you. You just believe it for everybody else. It, the trophy life is somewhere in the future. If I can just have, I don't know, name your product. You see, I'm always worried about this because if I name things, people think I'm getting at them. And I'm not. I'm not thinking about anybody particular at all. There's just a long list. But if I say car, people go, oh, you know, I want a car. I, I can say car because I'm, I'm selling my car and I want another one. So I can say that. But you know what I mean? If I just get the right one or the right outfit or if I just lose enough weight or if I just get fit enough or if I just have the right gadget or if I just have the right home or the right house or the right, or the right friends or the right circle or the right job or the right... It, it'll all work then. Do we believe that? Do we believe that the trouble-free life is out there? It's just we're just one product away from it. This is a myth. It doesn't exist. Somebody made up that lie and the whole world fell for it. Guess his name. It's not Jesus. We need to let go of this and grow up and mature. And understand that God has good things in a troubled life. Seek them out. Receive them in faith. Respond obediently to what He has and rejoice because God is good. That's challenging. Has God already given you something and you need to receive it in faith? Do you believe it's His best gift? Have you received Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Jesus can take this craving, you know, he can rescue you from your regrets. He can rescue you from your disappointments. He can rescue you from the things that you have broken down. He can rescue you from your fear of the future. He can take all that away and give you something else. Do you believe that? Have you met him? If you haven't met him, speak to me. I will introduce you to Jesus, uh, and he will do the rest not because I'm anything special, but because I'm as hopeless at life as anybody I've ever met, but Jesus has rescued me, and I'm grateful, and I want you to know that. Have you received the Holy Spirit? Do you have the Holy Spirit in a way that gives you the insight you need to see that you are getting God's best every time you ask for that? If you haven't received that, then let's take prayer today and receive that. Do you need the courage and the boldness to use what God has given you? Do, you? do you need that? Do you need the Holy Spirit to just open your mouth and speak? Do you need the Holy Spirit to, to enable you to step to that place that you're afraid of going? To see those people that you're afraid to do? To use that gift that you're afraid to use? Don't go away today without receiving reassurance from the Holy Spirit. All these things. God gives good gifts. Do you believe God gives good gifts? 
Has He given you any good gifts? Have you told anybody about that lately? Have you used any of the gifts? Have you? Have you used any of the gifts that God gave you? Did, did it bless anybody? Did you give glory to God? It's a really easy step, isn't it? It sounds easy. Yeah, it's all right for you at the front. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But I'm just saying, we need to move forward. We need to receive in faith, respond in obedience, rejoice, give glory to God because He gives good gifts to everyone. Amen. Let's pray.